0: Welcome to this episode of Dad Bod After Dark. How's it going, Eric? It's going. It's going this uh, Labor Day weekend.
1: Yes, it's going very.
0: It's going. Have you done anything? No, we we haven't done a single.
2: Okay. It's been awesome.
0: We've really embraced the spirit of Labor Day weekend and not done a single
1: thing. So it's been been really good. So I made a monumental error yesterday morning. Uh, One of the things that both my kids really enjoy, my two oldest really enjoy doing uh, Minecraft on the Xbox. Mm -hmm. And. I don't know if you've played Minecraft, but it can be addictive. It's fun, right? So yeah. both of them are into it, but they have to play separately. So I have Minecraft on my computer, and then uh, my kids have a computer that my parents gave us. So I put Minecraft on that one, too, so that they could play together in the same world. Mm-hmm. And biggest good bad decision ever made um okay i swear they were on those things for like seven hours yesterday however Jeez, seven hours not seven hours straight there was a break in there seven hours where those two didn't fight once yeah not a single disagreement well and that's the beauty of video oh games, my guys. gosh the th- and and they were cooperating to like build things and like Uh Uh-huh. Oh, it was great. Today, we had a bit of a meltdown, and so we shut it down and uh, said, you can go back tomorrow. But we have to be better. You know, better choices, kids, right?
0: Yeah. Well, it's funny because, not Minecraft, but there's these series of videos on YouTube that is this guy. I guess he's just got these pet hamsters, and he sets up all these crazy obstacle courses for them. And it's like edgy your seat TV. And part, a lot of the obstacle courses he sets up are based on Minecraft. Um, so you have the creepers and, and stuff like that. And it's pretty cool. It's good, and stuff. Mar- it's good stuff. And Marcus and Langston are absolutely fascinated watching these hamsters go through these
1: tell you, kind of little obstacle courses. And that guy's probably making six figures <clears throat> a year. Oh, my gosh. So one of the things, He's my two oldest, hipster. what they want to do is they want to record themselves
2: mm-hmm
1: like they want to make YouTube videos, and so we're like, well, I got to figure out how we're gonna record this stuff, and then I've got to figure out how we're going to like I have to change the profile names on the characters mm-hmm. on the screen so that things are hit like yeah, so it's great a great idea, and they're probably gonna get thousands more viewers than we do, but mm-hmm. Uh, we've got to make sure it's, it's well. Then we just need to embed links into dadbot history into the YouTube videos. Yeah, that kids do. yeah. Dads like really, you really enjoyed good. this, you'll probably won't enjoy this, but <laughs> give us a view. Um, And my toddler will click around on YouTube Kids, and mm-hmm. he keeps watching these these videos with like these Italian kids like making food. I don't understand what he gets into. It's pretty fun though. Hey, who
0: doesn't want to watch Italians make food?
1: But but yeah, I mean we. We have not done much at all. And that's been okay. Yeah. Especially uh, for you and and your wife. Oh my gosh.
0: Going back to school and teaching, kind of get that extra day off.
1: Yeah. If we had to go back to school tomorrow, I'd be okay with it. In fact, the fact that we aren't, I'm kind of dreading. It's like the weekend went too long. There's been too much downtime. Uh, because otherwise yeah. today would have been all prep work. So that'll be all tomorrow. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we both spent quite a bit of time reading. Good. Um, we had, we had dinner Friday night with, uh, some friends and, and their kids and that was fun. That was good to do that. But, uh, you know, I've been reading a lot as much as I can this weekend here and there and, and. My wife's been reading too. So it's been good. And the kids have been doing their thing and we've been doing stuff together. So my wife and I actually finally finished watching Hamilton Friday night. Okay. It had, you know, it's almost three hours long. And it, yeah. I started it in early August. And then I had to stop because I wanted to, to do the reading, um, which I'm in the middle of. So, yeah. In, but... it and in
0: general, being a parent, watching anything takes approximately three times longer than oh the actual runtime of the show. So if you're watching a, a sitcom and the sitcom runtime is twenty one minutes, it's gonna take you an hour and a half
1: to finish yeah. that with all the interruptions you get from your kids. Yeah. I think there was a there was a point there right before infinity or right before Endgame came out where we wanted to rewatch all the MCU films. Right. Mm-hmm. And that came out in April of 2019. So what we did starting in January is we started watching all the MCU films and it would usually take us two to three nights to watch one film, not because the kids were around, but we, we put the kids to bed. The toddler still hung out with us and then just fell asleep on my wife while we watched like Captain America, civil mm-hmm. war or whatever. And, but and we, we just a little bit mm-hmm. at a time. And, uh, so, you know, it was, that worked out. Um, yeah, but we, we tried to watch Hamilton here and there. We'd get like 20 minutes in. Um, and, and it, it was, it was good. I'm, I'm, and I'm glad I'm reading the, the biography. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, it just took so long to, to get through anything unless it's something that like my wife and daughter are watching, right? Like live in Maddie, mm-hmm. they can get through eight episodes in like 20 minutes, I think, just because they don't get interrupted with their shows.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I'm sorry that, that your oldest son doesn't, doesn't get in watching historical musical films, but Maybe so. You know, right?
1: he he's the one who probably watched it most closely while we were watching it. Yeah? Which made me a little bit a little bit nervous. Maybe a little anxious. But You don't you want know, him to it,
0: like Aaron Burr too much, is that the issue?
1: Uh, well, Aaron Burr comes off a little bit more likable, I think, than Okay. The, I mean, you gotta get to the end. But um not that the end where he shoots Hamilton is the likable part, but you know, it's it's a. Uh, I, don't, I, I think we need to have an episode to talk about that, that okay. musical. Um,
0: I'll make a point to watch it then.
1: Yeah, it, I, I enjoyed it. Um, but he would be watching it and he'd kind of be asking. And then he would come in. And he's like, why do, you, why do you like these movies with all this singing? And I'm like, I don't just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, kid. I'm sorry to disappoint you, son.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll make a point to watch that so we can do a dad bod goes to the movies.
1: Yeah, it was it was worthwhile. Yeah.
0: So do you have the question generator up? If not, I'm going to talk about my boat parade thing because I think.
1: Okay, no, let's do the boat parade because my sister just sent me. okay A tweet with a video where the guy is talking about his boat that went down. Yeah, but that's a parody account. If it's the same video that I'm watching. Is it got the red beard? It's got Margaritaville. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah he's I, a
0: parody account. He does a bunch of MAGA.
1: Okay. I didn't parody videos. It was pretty funny though, and I did see some of the the pictures and videos of the parade to begin with, and then the sinkings. Yeah.
0: Which, I mean, it, it, it's just the sinkings is it's a Schadenfreude type thing to me. I just find it very funny. I'm glad that nobody's hurt or or obviously nobody right. died, but just the. It's just funny, but I think in general it's just kind of weird this whole boat parade phenomenon that's happening right now. Because there was just one in San Diego. I think there's another one in New Jersey, in addition yeah. to the one in Texas where the where the four boats sank. They they sank none in, Texas. in Kansas, by the way. No, interesting, interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I think there's uh there was one in Arkansas. Obviously, Sarah Huckabee Sanders was leading the charge down there. So I, I I don't know. It's just funny to me. Like Trump can't have his big rallies, so the next best thing is all the boaters get out on the lakes and and uh, put their flags on their boats and go crazy. Yeah. I guess I, it's just it's just yeah. a weird phenomenon, and I don't I don't know if it's going to be something that exists past this election. Certainly, if Trump loses, I, I don't think it's going to continue, but. Um, yeah. It's just it's just weird to me. It's just one of those weird idiosyncrasies of 2020 that I never would have thought that
1: oat parade rallies would be the thing to to kind of Yeah. I'm I'm still trying to make sense of the Trump phenomenon. Right? It's mm-hmm. it's uh cuz we had these conversations back in 2016. And and yeah. early into his administration, where it was like we can't really read like what's he about what what is he, and I think maybe we we thought there was there was there was more to it. There were, it went deeper than it did, but it's obvious that it doesn't really go much deeper. I mean, he's got his policies and mm-hmm. and they are what they are they are. But uh, you know the personality, it's just it's right out there on his sleeve. Uh, yeah, and I think it just translates to a certain demographic of people who felt like the previous eight years work work I don't know just kind of it was it was that up against them right yeah um and and whether that was true or not Mm -hmm. they felt that way so here's the the thing that I'm kind of curious about because I'm really having trouble reading social media and really having trouble seeing which direction this is going. It seems so clearly going in Biden's direction. Then I see something like this. When have you ever seen people do this on their own? Mm -hmm. Like Trump didn't arrange these boat things. These are people on their own. There was a a rally in uh, Los Angeles, I think. Uh, What was this person's name? Rebel something. Rebel Ricky. And this big Mm -hmm. like, just kind of like parade in the middle of LA. And, you know, the message to them was, we're for everybody. We're America. America is everybody. Like the message was like, that's, that's really what people need to double down on is that message. But it was just, I don't see people get, obviously nobody is getting this excited about Biden, right? Like nobody is Putting themselves, investing themselves, their personalities into Biden.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. so I, I
1: just don't know because I don't see a lot of these people that I see with well, these I, uh, these Trump rallies on Twitter. The way I see all of the blue hats on Twitter. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating, and that's what the, there's a couple of things
0: I want to talk about with that because one, I think certainly Trump is the more charismatic of the
1: candidates, and. <laughs> That's not news. He takes but more breaths in a day. That's definitely true.
0: No, he is. I mean, he, that, yeah. he won. He yeah. won on his charisma. I mean, you can say he's all he's full of it and 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 that. But the man is charismatic. I mean, the, the reason he was packing all those arenas is because of his his personal draw. Yeah. Um, you know, and and largely, the charismatic candidate wins the presidency. That's why Obama beat McCain and he beat. Romney's, he's far more charismatic. And there's other things in his favor there. But similarly with Clinton against George H.W. Bush and definitely Clinton against Uh, Bob Dole. (laughs) Yeah. Like, so I I think there's a charisma there that Trump has that certainly Biden does not have. I think that's part of the reason Biden picked Harris is because she's she's a charismatic speaker. Um, But. There's some weird things about how this election, I think the pandemic has played into that and how it's shaped things. Certainly the conventions. Um, and I think the Democrats really embraced the virtual convention early on and really geared everything they did towards that. And I think largely they, they did a good job um, in their presentation, whereas the Republicans still tried to, like, do more of the traditional. You speak in front of crowds and, and you know, you do your stump mm-hmm. speeches like that, Um Another thing I saw on Twitter was Biden for the yard signs, but they're doing the yard signs on Animal Crossing, which is a video game huh. where you create these farms <laughs> and all this stuff and, and they've these little virtual communities. And so people can put Biden-Harris yard signs up in their virtual community. I'm like, that is so 21st century. And I, it's just but it, it makes sense, right? Because people are invested in those virtual realms and yeah, and you, you, talk, you, can, you can do your politics there.
1: Yeah. I mean, especially with the pandemic, right? People are generally out less, although mm-hmm. everything just seems normal out, right? Like compared to April, if I went somewhere, I'd go and the streets would be empty of cars, right? Yeah. So now most people are back to something of a normal. hmm We can go around and and do this stuff. Um, No, but that's a good move to go kind of advertise in a virtual space that people occupy out of boredom. Yeah, and we're you know, go ahead. You know, maybe maybe Trump could put some signs up in Fortnite or something. Why not, man? Like, I, and I think that's what's so interesting. Is, God, that's a really I, good idea. I need to make some money off that. Yeah, it's a great man. idea. You know, imagine of, running around with in your buddies' of campaign right now in a post-apocalyptic video game, and there's you have a little MAGA signs. hat on. Your, your avatar has a little MAGA hat. I mean, why not? It's red. Might make it target just because it's yeah. red, not because
0: yeah. But I, I think on. that's a good point. Is is there's this. Dichotomy between the two campaigns, and I and I think Trump's always been very good on good on social media in far as his reach, um, a big part of why he's okay. able to. <laughs> I was
1: wondering to, where you're going. Good on social media. I was like, well, on his no, reach, I, yeah, well, his was, reach because is... in
0: 2016 he revolutionized that campaign. Oh my god! Because because he was on Twitter and he had so many followers, everything he tweeted became part of the the news cycle and it became part of his narrative. And Hillary just couldn't do that. But now I think Biden's campaign is really embracing different aspects of, I guess, the virtual world. I don't know how else you phrase it. And it's very interesting to see how they're doing that. But I also think these boat rallies, whether or not they're coordinated by Trump or they're totally organic, um, you can't have big rallies in person. But you can social distance on a boat like all these boats, there's thousands of people all supporting Trump, and they're all maintaining social distance from each other as far as the boats go. I think that's a an interesting development. Um, kind of all these changes that have happened because of this pandemic. Because um, certainly if the pandemic hadn't happened, you would have had two traditional conventions, Right. Where everybody, yeah. meet, you know, the Democrats meet in Milwaukee and the Republicans meet in North Carolina. They do all their big stump speeches with all their people. But the convention or the pandemic changed all that. And I think
1: it'll I be think interesting
0: to see how much of that sticks or how much of that fades away by the 2024 election cycle.
1: Yeah. And, I, and I'd say that played more towards the Democrats and Biden. One, because I think they're more have more foresight into technology as, as a tool Mm-hmm. And whether it's true or not, I don't know if Biden's speech was recorded, um, but that obviously played into their hand. If it's, if it's a, you know, if we're actually concerned about Biden's ability to speak, even if he's reading a teleprompter, right, if you can record it you can do it ahead of time, make sure it's what you want mm-hmm. uh, compared to, you know, Trump live. Without an audience, versus with an audience, with a crowd, because you know that crowd would have been something to behold.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. Instead, they had that crowd on the lawn, which was not nothing,
1: but it's not the same. No, it's not. And uh, so, I think the boat rallies are kind of an interesting phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Trump, just the whole Trump thing, and the whole. Thing we're da- you know, uh, on Twitter a few weeks ago or last week, I made mention of something. You know, uh, basically Biden's not that radical, and I kind of said, "Well, yeah, but Kamala is more so, and she could be in office in the first six months. Like we, you know, realistically, that that's possible.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And you know, people jump down. Oh, that's not radical. It's not radical. Like, yeah, I understand." that she's a cop. I understand that she's a prosecutor. I understand that, that her record in terms of liberal policies is not great, but that's what she has kind of been running on. And again, we, we seem to be going further and further away from the center. Um, and one, it's well, they, just around personality. I, I don't really think Trump's policies are that far right. And I don't think Biden's policies are that far left, but all of the talk is just driving everything so far right and left. It's, um, You know, we've said there's some concern there because obviously all that rhetoric is now playing out in some streets and some towns, and that's not looking great.
0: Yeah. And I think, at least on the, the Democratic side, is the reason... There's this push. And and Bernie said it a few weeks ago. I don't know if it was at the convention or shortly thereafter. But he basically goes, our movement took a bunch of radical ideas and made them mainstream. Mm-hmm. Because he kind of – well, because he did shamelessly yeah. embrace democratic socialism. And mm-hmm. he had a huge following as a result of that. And I think – the Democratic Party is is going to be very different than your Clinton Democratic Party or your even right. your Obama Democratic Party um, because of Bernie. I mean, I, I don't I don't think you know you, I don't think you can, as they say, put that toothpaste back in the tube when it comes to that embrace of more socialist policies.
1: Right, and and I think. You know, okay, so that kind of leads me into one of the questions that I had posed to us. You know, do we need an update to our federal system? And and I think you had some comments underneath that, which I think are interesting. But I'm looking at our system of government and a federal level. Um, you know, are there some real social and economic Shifts that warrant us to make drastic changes to how we govern ourselves. And I think in terms of of things like, you know, you know, one of the things that, listen, if if the Democrats are going to kind of make their blue wave this this fall, what I'm hoping is that, okay, if they're going to do that, hey, are you going to are you going to forgive student loans in February? Like that's something that they've been talking about for well over a year. Mm-hmm. And so, if you're gonna if you're gonna get into a position to do that, are you gonna do it? Because while I might disagree with that, I'm not gonna refuse it, right? Yeah. Like if you're gonna say here I'll, we'll take all that loan and we're just gonna forgive it, I'm not gonna say no because mm-hmm. I'm still gonna end up paying the taxes on it or the taxes for it down the down the road. So, um, are there do we need to reconsider some serious things in our system based on how society and the economies have changed? And I think one of the things that that I find interesting is Andrew Yang makes a very good argument for universal basic income. He calls it the freedom dividend. And when mm-hmm. he talks about it in those terms, I think it's really interesting because the freedom dividend is based on because of the way technology has developed and because technology is driving – hundreds of thousands of jobs into automation, it would make sense that the automation is, is shifting money away from those workers towards the people that develop the automation. And fundamentally I would say I'm libertarian at heart. Yeah. but I also have some, some practicalities to work with, to work out. And so like, does our current economy, at least in this nation, warrant something like the freedom dividend? And does that yeah. actually make sense? Is it, is it so in opposition to some libertarian and constitutional principles that it doesn't fit with our current economic shifts? Well, I, I think
0: constitutionally there is no there is no statement in the Constitution for the kind of economic policy America embraces. It's just always been capitalist because that's what we started with. Mm-hmm. So I think you can you can shift economically without contravening the Constitution in principle. That doesn't mean there aren't certain economic decisions that would be considered unconstitutional. Like I think a push towards total communism is totally unconstitutional because of the way the the Bill of Rights and the and the articles are set up. But I don't think something like a, a universal basic income is necessarily unconstitutional um, because we all accept the tem we already accept the premise of taxes, although many make an argument the income tax is still unconstitutional. Um, It's been around long enough to where it's, I think that that ship has sailed. Um, So if by using that income tax to provide some sort of universal basic income, I, I don't see anything that necessarily in my mind would be unconstitutional. You know, there's nothing, certainly in the first 10 amendments that I see that would be unconstitutional.
1: Do you? Yeah. No, no, not necessarily. Um, I mean, fundamentally it, it, it bothers me that if I was wildly successful, that I would then have to pay extra money Mm
2: -hmm.
1: to everyone else. Simply because, mm-hmm. you know, again, if I'm the one who took the risk, if I'm the one that put in the work, if I'm the one that had the ideas and did the eight hour, 80 hour work weeks. Um, that as a result, then I have to pay more and, and and we can talk about progressive tax, but I think that's 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 not worth our time right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I, I think that part bothers me. The issue I'm. I seem to be okay with is that like, if I create something that's wildly successful, makes hundreds of thousands or even millions of lives better, I provide a product that's cheaper than what's currently out there Mm
2: -hmm.
1: in a way that's more accessible to everyone else. And I make billions of dollars.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, But at the same time, it also automates certain industries and puts people out of work. At some point we have to discuss what are we going to do? Because this has always been kind of something that's, that's been out there. Like what happens when we drive certain jobs out of existence? And I think Andrew Yang's discussion is always, we have, we're going to have self-driving cars soon. That means we're going to have self-driving trucks, which means however many hundred thousand truck drivers are out of work. What do we do for them? And I think one of the arguments well, one of the things is right now, our government has put millions of people out of work. We could say it was a coronavirus, but I'm sure a lot of those people would have gone back to work regardless. They would have taken precautions. But now yeah. it's cali- like California. I, I think Arizona kind of moved moved ahead a little bit. California is like, nope. all these things are shut down until we get like – you have to be two weeks clear of this certain number – And most of those counties aren't close to that number. I mean, it's going to be months again from now before more than half of the California counties can open up salons and bars and, Mm -hmm. um, all these certain businesses, again, target Walmart, Amazon making tons of money right now because they weren't shut down. Yeah. And, uh, Yeah, I, I do think
0: in respect to you to universal basic income, and I see that Germany's trying it um, on a scale to see if it's something that would work. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's interesting because some people have said, <coughs> "Why are we paying people not to work?" You know, if they're mm-hmm. getting paid, we're paying them more to not work than they would make if they were working. Which makes me think, because with the six hundred dollar stimulus, right, six hundred weekly unemployment is what it. So twenty four hundred bucks a month, basically,
2: mm-hmm. is yeah. what
0: the stimulus was. So if if you're only making if you're making less than twenty four hundred dollars a month, that might speak to the job you have, or we have a wage issue um, for that job, because twenty four hundred dollars a month is not.
1: Well, that's A 2400. <laughs> that's 2400 on top of the state's unemployment fee. But what is that? 272 in Arizona, I think. Well, maybe it is. I don't know. I think it is. So, that's 2 272 in Arizona per week. So now you're at 872. Mhm. And let's say you got two people yeah. in the family. So now you're at 1700 per week. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. So, I mean, you're looking at $7,000 a month. Roughly, right? My math is roughly... Sure. No, I believe correct. you. So, it's it's good. Yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> you. I can hear you clicking on the calculator there. Um, again, there are people then working who are making their normal wage. It's, it's such a tricky situation because... N- we saw some effect in February and March of some businesses losing revenue because of fears of the coronavirus,
2: right? Mm-hmm.
1: People are like, well, I don't want to go out, don't want to risk it. And that's one thing, right? And businesses have to adjust to that. But then when states mandated mm-hmm. shutdowns, and you can't open up, you can't say, well, I'm, I'm willing to take the risk because we need to make money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the states are not necessarily kicking into business owners. It becomes a very different situation, right? So Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I think one commentator said, what we really need is stop calling this a stimulus package. It's called reparations because the government has enforced this upon us. There's very few Americans who willfully would have just stopped working. And, and it's a tricky situation because data every day shows us something else about the coronavirus that we didn't know beforehand and makes people look one way and then looks a different way. It's frustrating I, because I, I'm I teaching, think... you know, digitally from a distance and yeah. I, I see my parents on Facebook, from my school, and they're very frustrated and they're not frustrated. at The school, the school, we can't make the choice it's not up to us. Yeah. But they're frustrated with the state because the state is not letting anyone make their own choices here.
0: Yeah. And I think philosophically going back to the, the question that you've kind of posed, with, will this change our federal system of government with something like universal basic income? If you're paying people reparations or a stipend, whatever you want to call it, um, will that provide them an opportunity to work for enjoyment's sake and not because they have to just take a job to pay the bills? And I think that's the opportunity with that kind of system. Is yeah. if, you can, if you can show me that we're providing people an opportunity to pursue a career or job that they want to pursue – and still be able to provide for their families in the meantime, then I think that's a a great opportunity. And I think that's something that would, while on the surface is not libertarian government, just handing money to people. Right. But in, in spirit, the idea that you're giving people a chance to, in a sense, pursue their dreams, um, I do think that is something that appeals to me. Um, and it's something that I, I, I kind of like that idea where you're, you're freeing people up to say, maybe I don't want to just be a truck driver. Maybe I don't want to just be a machinist or something like that, which are good jobs. They're good paying jobs, but that maybe not be someone's passion um, and if that's something that technology is doing and if it's eliminating a lot of those good jobs, but that aren't necessarily people's passion, what are we going to replace that with? And I, and, and one thing I think about with technology is I would imagine in the late 1800s, early 1900s, when cars were becoming mainstream, that there was a whole bunch of buggy drivers and oh sure and and farriers and you know people that ran stables that were like well you're going to drive us out of business it's like yeah but look what cars and trucks are going to open up and without that change in technology you wouldn't have all the jobs that people have today like you wouldn't have truck drivers yeah Yeah. You wouldn't have machinists. You wouldn't have those good-paying jobs that exist today. So I I do think even with the advent of technology and automation um, going the way it is, I think— It's a matter of seeing eventually see what that thing is. I think eventually the economy is going to recover and is going to find a way to continue to support the people. However, until that happens, maybe UBI is a way that we can get from now to then—
1: Without crashing our economy. So two things. Two things. One is, uh, I have no, well, yeah, yeah, I I see that as being kind of the stopgap. The issue with that is when have we ever stopped or ended a, a federal program? Like when, when have we abolished a federal program after we've started it? And, and there, there's very few examples. The other thing with something like UBI is if, if you say, we're going to give you a thousand dollars a month. And so, you know, a a regular like married couple suddenly has 2000 extra dollars a month. Now, if they happen to be renting, I can't imagine that 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 landlords wouldn't say well we know that everybody's got an extra $1000 a month. we mm-hmm. We're just going to bump rent up. Yeah. And you know, part of me is like, well, they're the landlord. They took the risk. They own it. They have that right. Um, but if you see that across the board, first of all, if I've got an extra $1000 a month, I can pay an extra 250 a month. Mm -hmm. Right. I still have the extra 750, but where, where does that cascade effect go? Where does it take us to if my thousand dollars extra a month is suddenly hunted by every, every place I go, Mm -hmm. right? There's a surcharge and everything just because they know that money's there. It's kind of, you know, that's a, that's a predatory thing, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: but How do you stop it? And if the stopping it is rent control, we've seen where that leads in in some of our biggest American cities. And it causes other problems. So it's just a tricky idea.
0: Yeah, and and it's something I've thought of, and that's kind of always been the the counterpoint to socialism and and like the fight for 15 as far as like – artificial wage increases when it comes yeah. to the minimum wage is that well if you just keep raising people's wage things are going to cost more and if they're going to cost more then the raise in the wage isn't Did as good know. as you think it is yeah. yeah because if it costs you 15 dollars an hour to pay a guy that works at mcdonald's for example mcdonald's isn't going to just absorb those losses they're going to raise their prices on their food
1: so which then goes on to the
0: suppliers which then goes on to the farmers and then you know that's that's the trickle there's certain jobs too
1: um i know for teachers like uh public teachers their salaries are tied to the the minimum wage in that Whatever the minimum wage is at, the teacher's, like, salary chart is kind of tied to it by some algorithm, right? So if the the minimum wage goes up, teachers' salaries go up. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Well, what happens to their new salaries? Well, it gets spent at McDonald's, who's now charging more for their burgers, who has to pay their workers more, right? Mm -hmm. And so it just just inflates everything. Uh, And it might make people happy now, but 10 years from now, $15 uh, an hour is not going to be enough.
0: Which kind of leads me to, I guess, a different possibility, is that, and you mentioned it, is when it comes to things like student loan forgiveness. Because instead of giving people money, you're removing a debt, a very significant monthly cost.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, And I think there's an argument to be made with, The way the education, the post high school education system is set up as a resident of the state of Arizona, I pay taxes to fund the state universities. Mm -hmm. But if I send my kids to those universities, they will also incur tuition. So in a sense, I'm paying twice or my child is paying after I've already paid. So I think in that sense you can say well hold on either have enough money through the taxes that are paid to the state universities or get rid of the taxes yeah and just have the state universities become private which i don't think is going to happen so when i look at the student loan situation and this move to abolish that debt which is if they want to do it great i'll i'll gladly see my yeah my debt wiped away, it'll feel like I got a huge raise. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it will. And I think, um, but I don't want to just wipe it away to have my kids incur six-figure debt to go to college. And I think there right. is there is an argument to be made there. The way schooling colleges and universities are funded in the United States of America, and with the student loan program the way it is,
1: is, I don't want to say predatory, but it's almost It, it encourages uh, the inflation of the, co- the tuition. T- of tuition. Yeah. Right? You've yeah. known that for, for 15, 20 years now, that mm-hmm. all of these federal grants and loans that are just guaranteed loans, right? So you and I both basically went and started our master's at exactly the same time. Yeah. We were able to secure a loan within 15 minutes, right? Like it took nothing because it's federally guaranteed. Yeah. So – or it's federally backed, whatever it is, right? It's f- like free money for me at the moment, free money for that university. Um, mm-hmm. And so their, their costs can go up. It's It's like – Anything else, like you guarantee some sort of credit or loan, like we'll guarantee you $5,000 in a loan. Well, then when I go buy an item and it's $2,500 and they want to tack on $300 for this, $200 for this, that's nothing at that point. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Right? So, but if you're paying cash, well, going for a master's degree, you're going to be very keyed into every dollar spent. Yeah. And, uh, and
0: and I think that's the thing is, and maybe this is something where I've changed. Well, I know I have. I, I guess if we have state universities that are funded through local state taxes, I guess I'm okay with them being tuition free if, and even though accepting that my taxes would go up to probably make sure that happens. I still think the cost in that case is worth it if I don't have to have my child take out tens of thousands of dollars in loans when they turn 18 or 19 to go to university. Right. Because I would rather save them that burden by paying more in taxes today. So I guess that's kind of where I've shifted on that. And I think especially when we're talking about how is the economy changing, instead of just handing people a monthly stipend, as Yang is proposing, I think things like eliminating student debt and changing how we have the public university system function in terms of funding it and costs on the student... I think that's a conversation worth having.
1: I, you know, it, it'd be interesting if, if student loans were guaranteed based on like the mean income of the field you're going into.
2: Hmm. Yeah.
1: Right. Like, like if I'm going to take out loans to go to to do a pre med program and then to do a, uh, you know, go to medical school. You know, they're saying, well, we're guaranteeing these loans based on if you graduate, you're going to be making good money. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But if you go in and you say, well, I'm going to major in underwater basket weaving because I don't actually want to. I'm not actually going to talk about the topics that are being taught in some universities right now. Mm -hmm. Um, There's no money in that. So we're not going to give you a loan for that unless you can prove that you have the collateral for it. You know, well, you just get rid to... of
0: federal loans at all, entirely. Yeah, yeah. You, and you just could. have banks give loans, which is fine. I mean, banks are great at giving loans, and
1: yeah. When um, you, but when you get
0: a, bon- a loan at a bank, you have to have your credit run, and if you don't have enough credit, you have to have a cosigner, and
1: which would most likely be their parent. Yeah. Um, but if you're talking I, about every state having a university where you can go, and the taxes have already been paid for that, you can go to it, and you can apply to their program, that'd be great. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: You know, and and then after you graduate, you know, maybe your pre-med program is at that public university is great. And then you want to apply to like Stanford Medical School and you want to take out a loan and they run your credit. And they also look at how you did at pre-med and they're like, you know what, you're probably going to make it. And you're probably going to pay, be able to pay these loans off. You know, because if you're mm-hmm. 22 years old and you've just finished your bachelor's degree and you're going to medical school, you probably don't have great credit or any credit at all. I mean, look at the transcripts. Is this person going to make it and be able to pay this off later? Mm-hmm. That's kind of the question that needs to be made. And the fact that we're putting this on 17 and 18-year-old shoulders to just go ahead and take out these loans um yeah that is that's what we're taught you know for generations
0: if you want a good job you got to go to college that was the that was the mantra for decades Mm -hmm. and and that's kind of shifting a little bit because there's junior colleges now and trade schools are kind of making a comeback which is awesome but there's still that perception in america especially like well if you want a good job you better go to college you better get a degree it's like yeah but that degree is going to cost you a hundred thousand dollars now, whereas when my dad and well, my dad didn't go to college, so he's not a great example. But in my dad's generation, like my uncle, he's an attorney. He was yeah, it was seven eight hundred bucks a year to go to the UW, UW Madison, which was a great school. But now, even in state, that's twenty thousand. You know, I mean, like, yeah, there's something wrong, and it's primarily because of the student loan situation. The right. There's guaranteed money
1: out there and you are yeah. a, an organization that can get your piece of that pie and you can make your mm-hmm. piece bigger if you raise all your rates. Why wouldn't you? And again, this is yeah. all tied to like, what's the incentive at any given moment for people or mm-hmm. organizations to operate. The incentive for universities yeah. was just charge more because the government will guarantee the loan. Yep. And if it's a guaranteed loan, nobody cares how much it is.
0: And the university doesn't care if the student can't pay it back because the university is not the one that's on the hook for it. They've already gotten paid. It's, it's the federal government that's on the yeah. hook for it. So if if I don't pay back my loans, that doesn't hurt the university. That hurts the government. But so the university's like, whatever. That's not our problem. Nothing hurts and the I
1: government.
0: Th- yeah. Right. You can't but, you know, really hurt I, them. I, I, you know, you go to drive down in Tempe at ASU, and they've got all that land on Tempe Town Lake, and they've allowed all these huge skyscrapers to be built and these huge tenants like state farm to come in and pay millions of dollars a year. But yet they're still going to charge the students more and more and more every year. And what is it in
1: like as a nonprofit public university? What is, I want to think it's in, it's in over 40 States, the highest paid public employee. Mm -hmm. Most of them are tied to universities and most of them are head coaches, right? (laughs) So yeah. the universities have the money, right? And those, mm-hmm. those are the public universities, right? Yeah, They have the money.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, there was something great back in, I want to say it was April or March. Like the number, the, the head coaches who had taken some sort of pay cut after the sh- all the shutdowns.
2: Yeah.
1: And like there's a handful of head coaches who had not taken a pay cut at all. And mm-hmm. then some coaches that had taken like 25 or 30% pay cut or had like said, take half my paycheck and pay the rest of the athletic yeah. department. And it's just kind of wild. Yeah.
0: Harvard so still,
1: I, I, I think, charges full tuition right now, even though they're online. Well,
0: and I asked, and that's another thing, is if, if online becomes more mainstream in the universities, it really makes it hard for those universities to make the argument that they need all this money for the college experience when you don't, you don't even have, have to leave your, you don't have to leave your house to get the college experience anymore. Um, but you know, and I, I mean, I, we could probably talk about this all night, but oh um, yeah, I did Nobody's ask working a tomorrow. coworker of mine who's from Ireland. And oh, I, I said, I hey. hey, he's a great guy too. Super nice. Who is it? Declan. Oh, have I met him? Yeah, probably. Yeah. He's Yepy. a good friend of Jeff's. Yeah. Um, and I asked him, you know, because he lived in Ireland and obviously spent a lot of time in the U.K. And I go, how, you know, are, are all the universities totally funded? He goes, yeah, all the public universities are totally funded. What you pay for any sort of tuition or books would be super minimal. And I go, well, what about like Oxford and Cambridge? He goes, well, those are private universities. So you still have to have tuition for those because they're not in the public realm. Um, But any of the public universities, so our ASU or UW, um, the tuition would be basically zero. Um, Hmm. And I I don't think that's that doesn't bother me like it used to for, you know, for a long time it bothered me. And and now I've kind of softened on that idea thinking maybe we do need to reevaluate it. Because I, I do think there's a lot of problems with how universities are run right now. Um, I, I would
1: say education could be one of those one of those places where we could, you know, we talk about equality in this nation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think one, I disagree with anyone who says we don't have basic equality because we are all equal under the law. Unfortunately, the law gets applied differently, which is frustrating because the the law itself, our documents in this nation place everyone on equal footing. It's the application that gets messed up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But even after that, right, because we can we can correct some of that. Most of that, I think. Yeah, it takes a lot of hard work, but we, we get there eventually. And unfortunately, it takes longer than we'd like. But I think education is that place where. If we really want to level the playing field for as many people as possible, we have to, like, radically reform education.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I know that there's, like, so many stakeholders. Um, but I think, you know, to basically say everybody's education is going to be well-funded and everybody's also going to be able to make some choices in terms mm-hmm. of their education, uh, and, and, like you said, like I, part of me, again, philosophically in, in my heart, I'm very libertarian. I say, you, know, you make your own way. But at the same time, we're also a very prosperous nation that has the opportunity to make everyone in this nation better. And one of the ways would be to say, listen, if you want to go to a public university, that shouldn't cost you to do so. Mm-hmm. Or it shouldn't cost you. Twenty-five thousand dollars a year that you can't afford at seventeen years of age, right? So or eighteen years of age, whatever. Um, so part of me is like, well, listen, why? The the reason all of those European nations can fund all those things is because the U.S. is the one that that militarily has guaranteed to protect all of them, right? Like Mm -hmm. we are, we'll we'll back them up. And so some of those nations don't have to fit a massive military bill so they can spend it elsewhere. Um, And so uh, it goes against a lot of my principles. But listen, if we're going to spend money, which apparently nobody has a problem with anymore. So if we're going to spend money. Yeah, it's all fake now. Let's spend it where, where we can actually increase the value of what we're paying for, right? Like Mm -hmm. education adds value. So let's spend it there. Yeah. K-12 plus four years. And, uh, and listen, you know, it doesn't include every private university. Maybe we're going to stop guaranteeing loans altogether.
0: Yeah.
1: And, uh, those colleges have enough of an endowment that they can they can give out scholarships or whatever. But, um, but that's the thing, you right? You shouldn't,
0: especially when you talk about leveling the playing field. You shouldn't have to be a wildly exceptional athlete to get a full ride scholarship to a good university, right. or you shouldn't have to be the best student in your graduating class to get a full ride scholarship to a university. That shouldn't be a free ride and it's not a free ride at all. I mean, you have to work really, really hard to get those um, athletic or academic scholarships. So I I think, I
1: guess, go ahead, finish. Um,
0: Well, I was just saying, you know, for every, every superstar athlete that gets a full ride to Alabama, for example, there's a hundred kids that don't have that opportunity and they get left behind and they can't afford to Go to college, and they can't get the loans, or even if they did, there's no way they're ever going to pay them back.
1: Um, yeah, and uh, you know, I, I think the university system too could could do with some reform in terms of what is their their actual purpose, right? So, um, mm-hmm. it's it's like well, there, there's the academic things, and I don't see a reason why colleges couldn't offer trade schools within the universities. Mm-hmm. Um, you know I, that that why not?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Why not offer that at least? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> But I also think you know there's there's a lot of programs in our universities that, while the intellectual pursuit in itself has value, the actual major itself is worthless.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And again, I'm not going to start naming those. I think we all kind of know which ones are which, um, but I think there's some, there's some like I do think it, it, there's a direct proportion to how much how much is the the training worth compared to what are you going to make when you come out of college? And I've kind of thought about that in my head in terms of you know when it comes time for my kids to start looking at well I want to go to university or I want to study in college, or be like well what do you want to study? Okay, because What I'd like to do is lay out here are the average salaries of all of these jobs. And let me highlight the ones that require you to go to university. What is it that you actually want to do? Because if Mm -hmm. you're telling me you want to be, um, you know, like my daughter loves to write, well, if you want to write, like I don't think paying a hundred thousand dollars over the course of four years is going to help you be a writer. I think it was going to help you be a writer is to write.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think part of the what you're describing is with all these various majors, is state colleges especially, but a lot of private universities too, they've become these catch-alls for every possible yeah. field yep. and every possible concentration. In, you know, their liberal arts schools, which in principle I don't disagree with liberal arts education. But if the but why do they have why are they so broad why do you have to have every department possible under the sun at the University of Arizona? Well, because you want to get as many students as possible, so you can yeah. get as much money as yeah. possible. And I think that goes back to our original question. Whereas if you say, "Look, University of Arizona and ASU and NAU, you guys are funded. You will never have to worry about tuition again." But you all three of you don't need to all provide every possible type of concentration in class. Why? There's absolutely
1: no reason that three state universities yeah.
0: encompass everything.
1: Yeah. If you when, want to be an engineer, this is a school you go to. If exactly. you want to be a doctor, you go to this one. If you want to be a teacher, you go to this one. And that if was you want, something I liked yeah. about CUW. Right? Oh yeah.
0: Is we were known obviously as a school for, for pre-seminary students, but we were also known as a nursing school and a teaching school. Those yeah. were the three areas that most of the students went to that university for to become a pastor, a teacher,
1: or a nurse or pre-med or something yeah. in that field. And now they, they have what? Physical therapy. I think they, they, had, physical that we yeah, they had that when we were there, Occupational So but, and, that, and that was, and they, that was everything intentional.
0: Right that was intentional. Yeah. There's a, those, that's what we do here. And we do it really, really well. I think that's a way... Like you said, with reforming how our public universities function, is what's the goal, ASU? What What do you want to produce the most of? Do you want to produce a bunch of journalists? Do you want to produce a bunch of attorneys or doctors or teachers? Figure bunch out a weekend
1: f- partiers.
0: Well, they've already they're already <laughs> leading the nation in that.
1: But you know, figure out what
0: is it you want to do, ASU, and then U of A. They have a huge astronomy program down there, which is awesome. Yeah. So if you're it, doing it, astronomy, yeah. And ASU is doing journalism and and um, law school. You you don't have to have U of A do that as well. Like you can figure it out and and split the work basically, right? And that way, everyone in Arizona has offered a high quality education for very low cost, which I
1: think is yeah, ultimately I, the goal. I, I think that'd be that'd be perfect. And I, and I think. You know, if if you are a taxpayer in the state, you know there's nothing wrong either with saying, you know, you paid taxes all these years. You know, um, you're rather than saying the school is funded, you could. I know this one's a bit more controversial, but to say your student is funded up to this amount. Sure. But, Of course, that runs into the well. Then the, the state then says, well, yeah, their tuition costs that. But then there's also. Mm-hmm. You know, this and this and that the other thing. That's kind of the same thing with the student loan um, is that it's guaranteed. Yeah. And then it does well, get a little always, bit dicier that way. Yeah. And and I think that's kind of when it comes to like K through 12 education, that makes a little bit more sense
2: mm-hmm.
1: in that the money can follow the student. I know there's a lot of detractors to that. And then there's some some issues with, you know, certain parents. Of course, any no it doesn't matter what system you're talking about, it's gonna get abused by somebody or some organization. Yeah. Right? But parents can kind of weasel the system around to to fit for their kid Mm -hmm. and at the exclusion of other ones, and that that can be an issue. But
0: well and then you punish them, like Lori Laughlin and Felicity Hoffman.
1: Good. Right? Like that's what they did.
0: They abused the system at was it USC to get their kids preferred admittance on the crew team. Like, you know, really? well, OK, but like that, your the kid point couldn't is, make it to USC. Can- yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Just send them um, to you. Yeah, they'll take anyone. Um, but the point being is any system can be gamed. Yeah. Right? There's people that have bad intent. There's no perfect system. But I think that what we're talking about in principle is a much better path forward. Than where we're currently going, right? Um, I agree. Do, do you want to talk about something else, or you just want to? Well, wrap this Nick up? didn't show
1: up, so we can't. talk about Popeyes Can't Pope talk ice about chicken. Popeyes chicken sandwich.
0: <laughs> um, yeah. so oh. oh, road trip. Yeah, I'm excited for all of you loyal Dad Bod listeners. Die hard. Eric dad and I are bod. going to be doing a Dad Bod Road Trip podcast um, mm. from. Bakers, California, all the way to the P-H-X. Bakersfield, California. Oh, I just abbreviated it to Bakers. Bakers. Bakers, California. We call it Baco. There you go. Yeah. From Baco to P-H-X. Um, So yeah, that'll be fun. So get ready for that. Oh my
1: gosh. I've been thinking about the format on that one. I got some ideas to shoot your way. Okay. Uh, It reminds me of... When we went to the cabin and
0: I brought that camcorder <laughs>
2: <laughs> and filmed
0: I'm, us. I mean, oh obviously are not going to be that stupid, but... I have to tell you, we had, uh, we had some friends those, over Friday night. We talked,
1: we talked a little bit about those experiences too from college. Yeah. I, yeah I, and I had this conversation last week. So we might be running out of time. But college, so long ago... But you remember that one of the best things about college
2: mm-hmm.
1: and to our to our dear listeners who are in college right now, um, I was thinking back to like how magical, how magical. Like if I could go back and again, all the blessings that I have right now that I love aside, mm-hmm. if I could go back to really appreciate the experience. I know how stressed out I was in college over what now seems like absolutely nothing, right? Oh, I had a mm-hmm. paper due. You know, one time I had a paper due and I was so stressed out about it, I called the registrar at 8:05 a.m. and just dropped the class because I couldn't finish <laughs> the paper. It really? was like a yeah, it was a like Theology of the Lutheran Confessions class. So I was like, oh, I can't do this. I'm not going to finish this class. Let me just drop it. Yeah. So I did. Anyways, there was a
0: couple couple classes I had to take over because I didn't have that foresight
1: to drop the class. I just failed it and then took it over. But do you realize that like starting at like 4.30 p.m., whatever time the cafeteria opened, you know, you and I could just look at each other and be like, do you want to go to dinner? And we could say yes. And we'd walk down there. Mm-hmm. We'd put food on our plates. We'd eat it. And then and then we didn't have to prepare the food. We didn't have to buy the food. We didn't have to clean up after ourselves. We just decided, I'm going to go eat dinner now.
0: Yeah, it was the best.
1: And I could eat as much as I wanted mm-hmm. of a variety of things. No dishes. No cleanup. No chasing a toddler around. With a yeah. piece of chicken on a fork. And I mean, there was that one time, but, um, <laughs> but I mean, yeah. like, how well, and the stuff we did. I, I can't, like, I, I've tried to like I grasp I to like how Juice, amazing that not? was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you want to go eat? Do you want to go eat? Yes. Oh. But then, yeah. even after I had my three meals where I just decided it's time to go eat, I'm going to go eat, be done, and not have to think about anything. Even after that, we could go down to the Falcon's desk and get a burger. hmm It was the best. I mean, just – and now it's like, well, we should start dinner soon. Yes, I'm about yeah. to burn 25 minutes of my life preparing dinner. Yep. That half of my three children may or may not eat. And that afterwards I will have to clean up. Yep. And three hours later, I'll sit down on the couch only you know, to get up five minutes and later to go get ready for I, bed.
0: Every few months I bring this up to my wife and go, if we had the money, I would get us a maid. And I think probably <laughs> that's why. And so that I can relive, a, a have a glimmer of that college experience where I didn't have to do all that stuff anymore. And I just, it's someone else's problem. I'll yeah, pay if, for the service. I if don't I had care. the money,
1: I'd be like, you know what, honey? I'm going back to college just for the food. <laughs> Maybe that explains why there's always those... Those, every class we had, there's
0: always that one or two 40 year old guys that were starting their second career. Maybe they're just trying to, they're just like trying to, you catch that, to start that
1: dream again. Why'd you decide to give up a lucrative career in finance to become a teacher? Uh, you know, just, just the cafeteria food, basically.
0: <laughs> Falcon's nest, baby. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah. And it's like, yeah, I mean, it was a great time. Oh my God. One of the best parts of the college experience is that total uninhibited freedom. I mean, outside of class. And if you had a job, which you probably took by choice. But I mean, it it wasn't like we
1: were libertines or anything or hedonists, but it was, it was that like, I can go eat and then be done with it and move on with my life. Yeah. Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. Oh man. Okay. Moving right along. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, road trip. Yeah, coming up trip. in October. In a few weeks. Yep. So, so yeah, we'll we'll film a film our road trip and put a podcast out for it.
1: So um, I feel like uh, we can say it. So here is my thought: right, the format. Okay, um, I'm excited. I'm thinking like ten or fifteen minute short episodes. Just we'll okay. pick a topic, start filming, and just go, and then stop. Okay, really short. We'll get, uh, we'll, you know, we'll get to Phoenix, and then the next we'll have like content for a month, just a bunch of ten, fifteen minute little short episodes, and us riffing on something in the car.
0: I like it. I like it. I think it's gonna be fun. I'm pumped. Oh my gosh! No, we just gotta have a bunch of short topics. Well, Although we, we always say it's gonna be a short topic, and then it never ever is. So yeah, I mean, Hey, the bucks one. It's. They finally won a game. I was just kind of Giannis got was hurt, like, and then Chris Middleton and the team said, "Oh, maybe we should start playing." And finally, won game um, four.
1: I feel like they're 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 just not into it right now, and and that's understandable.
0: I feel like the it, the stuff at Kenosha aside, I think there's teams that this whole NBA bubble has negatively affected, and I think the Bucks are one of those teams because. In terms of their pride Yeah, they thrive On on the crowd The home court advantage They really do They're an awesome team In front of the home And I get it Most teams have a a home court advantage But they just Especially Giannis He feeds off of that energy And it makes a better player
1: I think when you're coming From a smaller market Your fan base Especially as you kind of ascend Into a Mm -hmm. great team Your fan base gets Really great Like, the Lakers Mm -hmm. fan base will always be the Lakers fan base. Mm -hmm. Um, Same thing thing with the Celtics, right? Right, the Celtics. The Celtics, yeah. Um, But, like, Phoenix, Golden State, um, you know, maybe, like, Portland or, or, I don't know, Brooklyn. I don't know. Some of the smaller markets, right? OKC, right? When their teams get hot, man, their fans just get into it. And Milwaukee's kind of that way, right? They've never mm-hmm. had a basketball team that's really dominated. And this year they were on it. And that gets fans, like, energized. And then yep. you kick them in the teeth with coronavirus and then you put them into the bubble and then you have Kenosha happen. You know, and you said Kenosha aside, the Bucks without their fans, they've kind of been riding that wave all year. So that makes it worlds more difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, whereas a team like
0: the Spurs, the Spurs are kind of always the Spurs, right? Like yeah.
1: they're not. They've got good they fans, but
0: they don't get too high. They don't get too low. They just kind of we play Spurs basketball, and yeah, we're going to be a really yeah. good team, pretty much year in and year out. And I know things are changing with Duncan gone, but that's kind of who they are. Whereas the Bucks are far more emotional, especially as you said with with them becoming recently a good team. Yeah. And so that when that emotional wave crashes, it hits them a whole lot harder than it would for some of those more established franchises. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, I'm happy to win a game. I don't see them winning out to take this series though,
1: especially if Giannis is hurt. That's, that's going to be tough. Um, so, I kind of felt like going into this game, even towards the end, like it's great that you're fighting and that you're getting into overtime, but and, and maybe the emotions of an individual game for some of these players can carry you to win that game. But I, I feel like if I was in that game, I would struggle to want to win the game, knowing that. Man, if we if we misstep once over the next three games, it's over. Like you have to mm-hmm. be perfect. Yeah, and that's that's and again they're competitors of a different sort, so. They want well, to take the that challenge. I don't think anybody's challenge. ever done
0: it. I don't think anybody's ever come down from 3-0 to win a series. So
1: uh, I don't know about 3-0. I think
0: there's some 3-1s, but I don't yeah. think there's any 3-0s. The Suns um, were down
1: 2-0 in a five-game series once back in ninety three. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was against the Lakers. They were down 2-0. I mean, that, yeah. yeah, and they came back from that. Um,
2: so, I, I watched some know.
1: college football this weekend, though, a little bit. Oh, did you? The sound of college football, like the sound of the commentators,
2: mm-hmm.
1: there was something very like I was able to lay on the couch and just feel relaxed, just Are hearing the fans that sound. Or did they piped in noise. They piped in noise, but hearing the, like the announcers, the way announcers talk about football, similar yeah. to the way the announcers talk about baseball, there's there's like a familiarity, and there's there's like a
2: mm-hmm.
1: especially after everything that's happened, kind of like a soothing effect, right? Mm-hmm. So
2: I you don't know even I'm know excited to watch
1: from.
0: nobody does. Well, the so Pac-12 and Big
1: 10 be... might come back, right? Like they're talking yeah, I think in October possibly. And they
0: said they would be trying to play is, is some another thing about college sports, especially college football, is the NCAA literally has no authority. Like yeah. The NCAA doesn't tell the conferences what to do. The conferences tell the NCAA what's happening, especially yeah. when it comes to football. Because the Big Ten's like, yeah, no, we might come back in October, and yes, we are playing for the championship. It's like, oh, okay, great. Like, it just boggles my mind how they can do that. Um, but like I said last time, I don't know how excited. I I guess I would, I'm going to watch. I mean, if the Badgers are on, I'll definitely yeah. watch it. But it's not like it's not something that's really moved the needle for me over this, this whole thing with coronavirus. I'm like, I don't know. It's just weird. But then on the other hand, I'm really excited to watch professional football come back.
1: Really? Yeah. So I don't, I don't know why. I guess part of me, you know, I know like the college professional thing, both basketball and football for me has kind of gone back and forth. I think, College basketball has drawn me in more as I've coached because I've seen more of like these these guys are being coached to play a team game as opposed to the NBA. It's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Football, I think it's the atmosphere of college football that I've kind of felt this is something like communal. And maybe that's maybe maybe the reason
0: I'm not excited is because it's not going to be the same. Even, well, if so it's was, the, even if it's great football, right? if there's no fans and there's no, in you know, Wisconsin jump around after the third quarter, it's not the same
1: experience as it is. Yeah. Otherwise. Well, you, you saw, you've seen some soccer games, I'm sure. And, you know, when, when they score their goal, they're excited, but there's nobody to play to. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it's now I was watching these, these football games yesterday, uh, like Texas state, was one of the one of the teams mm-hmm. and they had fans in the stands and they were distant i don't wow. know maybe they were all like family or staff they had hundreds of people in the fans in the stands but they were spread out like it was obviously spaced out but okay. like there's still quite a few people there and that's i don't, I, I don't know you know in the nfl is like certain certain um teams will have home fans like the Raiders said they will not yeah, sell fans. In, California man. won't.
0: Packer said Packers said they're gonna do the first two games without fans, first two home games without fans, and then we'll make a decision after that. But then I know I think the Cowboys are like, No, we're absolutely having fans um to start the season. So it just kind of depends Who was on. Who is that? The week? Cowboys. I think Jerry Jones, this was a couple of weeks ago. Maybe things have changed, but he said, no, we're having fans. We're having um, fans and everyone has to stand for the national yeah, anthem. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. The seats actually retract during the national anthem. So they <laughs> they, they no stand you up. <laughs> yep. Oh um, my
1: gosh.
0: Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm excited for, for pro football to come back. I'll probably get excited if the Badgers and the big 10 football comes back, but I'm just, I'm not now.
1: Um, Yeah. NFL will be interesting. You know, my fantasy league here, we kind of, we decided, yeah, we'd do it. And, Mm -hmm. but it's like, we're going to, we're just going to do a virtual draft and I don't know. I mean, it'll be something to pay attention to. Basically I said, if, um, if, uh, if there's no, if they cancel the season at any point, all the money goes to the commissioner. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: That's awesome.
1: But Um, I'm the commissioner, obviously, so. Well,
0: that's all that matters then. So, oh, have you been reading anything? Just uh, Thomas Paine, right?
1: Yeah. uh, So I'm currently reading Alexander Hamilton by Ron Chernow, um, which is the inspiration for Hamilton the Musical. Um, It's really good. And so I, I've been reading that. So then I also I, – I decided I have a bunch of these books kind of from the 1700s, like Age of Reason and Social Con, uh, Contract and and uh, The Rights of Man. And I have those all on my shelf and Federalist Papers. So I'm, I'm currently reading the Federalist Papers. I read Common Sense, which is a very short read but really good. But um, Alexander Hamilton's uh, – I've kind of not, I've kind of avoided biographies for some reason for a large portion of my life. I've read a few and they've always been good. So Alexander Hamilton, it's a really good biography.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. You?
0: Yeah, I've been reading a little bit, but it's, um, there's these books called Warhammer which is like Space Marines. Yeah. And it's it's fun. I mean, it's kind of pulpy, but it's fun. Yeah. Um, I've actually been writing a lot lately. Yeah, you said so, that. And that's been kind of a good outlet for me. And I've found when I'm writing, I can't read too much because it kind of messes with how I write, if that makes any sense. Like, like, if I'm reading too many other authors, I'll try to, like, mimic their style of writing. And then it just kind of messes me up, so... But yeah, I've been working on my 20 year novel that's probably never going to get finished, but I've been actually doing quite a bit of work on it the past couple of weeks, which has been really fun.
1: Cool. Mm-hmm. It's been a while. I, I, you know, I meant to use this, um, I meant to use this kind of quarantine to, to get back into writing one of my novels. And I just, I, I started to, and then the, the podcast, I wouldn't say the podcast took off, but the amount of oh, time I was putting into editing up. episodes was, uh, taking my time. And, and I, I felt like it was, it was a worthwhile endeavor to work on. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it might pay off eventually. Um, but you know, I sent you that link today. Um, I don't know if you saw that. I did. I haven't had it. I didn't click on
0: it yet though.
1: Yeah. Something to worthwhile to look into in terms of for writing stuff. um, But we we should talk about that later sometime. So, Okay. Yeah.
0: And then also shout out to another content creator, Terrence, from Capitance TV. He does these short little YouTube videos. Uh, He does a lot of video game reviews. So he said he was going to create some content tonight, and then he got a sinus infection. So I said I'd dedicate my uh, podcast to him tonight. Is he going to shout out to us, too? I'll tell him to. He has to now. So he has to. He has to and of course shout out um, to our number one fan that's all I got I mean Jeff Jeff yeah number one don't tell my wife that
1: Jeff's our number one fan because oh oh, I'm sorry yeah she thinks she is so I mean she's kind of directed half of the the content for the episodes she does she tells me a lot of things that I should do and this is what you need to talk about so
0: she's our she's our head lead editor that's what we'll call it
1: yeah Oh, she wants to take over editing the actual episodes, by all means.
0: Yeah. I'll let her know. Call
1: yourself editor. Good deal.
0: <laughs> there you go, sweetie. Got a new yeah. job. All right. Um, uh, all right. Well, I'm Jake. I'm Eric. Thanks for joining us, guys. Hope to see you next time. And uh, like, Dead subscribe, by follow. After Dark. Oh, yeah. Yeah, see like, subscribe, next... follow. That's it. Is See you new? next week. I think so. Next week. Or yeah. next, whenever. whenever. See you next time. All right. Thank God.